ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. I have a special guest, well, guests here in plural. I have the Rath family, Daryl and Tucker. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on ATV Talk. It's a real honor. Um, Daryl, I know you've been around as long, if not longer, than I have, and you've done, uh, you had, and are having an amazing career. And Tucker, uh, you're starting uh, to not fall far from the tree there. What's, uh, How's that feel? Um, you know, following my dad, you know, into the racing aspect of things is crazy. Um, it's all I've known. So uh, to be able to follow him and learn from him at the same time is something that's always been really cool to me. That's that's awesome. By the way, hi, gentlemen. I'm Leonard Duncan and Daryl Rath and Tucker Rath. If I messed up the introduction, I apologize, but uh, no worries. We're good. <laughs> Let's uh, let's dive into this. I got to see a video, and you guys will fill in the details for me. I pretty positive Tucker won, and you got second or third, Daryl, in this TT Pro. Yeah, yeah I ended up third. Uh, that was when it was just recently, this spring, probably a month ago. Here, I'm thinking probably what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it was a great night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, didn't you lead at one point, Daryl? No, Tucker. Uh, I whole shot and actually led the whole race to the finish. Yeah, to so, finish. So he ain't a he ain't a, <laughs> he ain't to start. I came out second and ran second until probably the second or third last lap. Maybe fell in there. I, I took the Joker lane, and uh, the guy that was running third to me ended up passing me um, when he took the Joker. So you know what? <clears throat> Two young kids, Tucker, you know, 19 years old, and the kid that passed me, I believe, is 15. So definitely some young guys coming, you know, and they were running some good pace, and Tucker is phenomenal at night, and we've been changing and working on that, that machine that he's riding, and uh, I mean, this clicked that night for him. That was his night. 
was that your first pro win, Tucker? Yeah. Um, that night I had my first pro heat win as well as my first professional main win. Really? So yeah. that was a big night. Yeah. I was close. Uh, two years ago, I came really close. I did the same thing. I led the whole race. And then um, right towards the end of the race, he ended up passing me. So I got second to him. Um, <laughs> so how often, how often do you guys get to race against each other? Um, every time we race, yeah. For the past two years, it's every race um, we compete against each other. Has, have you beat Dad in the championship yet? I have not. Um, overall, uh, these past two years, I finished third in pro two years in a row, and he finished second. So I have not been able to beat him in the points wise. Really? So a little bit more consistent, maybe there. Maybe a more, a little more luck on my part. <laughs> I'm not sure, but so far I've been holding him off in the championship points. So. How does it work? How does the dynamic work, father son? Yeah, I think uh, you know I've always been a. Can you see the big great Dane that just came in? So, I didn't know you guys had led horses in your house. <laughs> so uh, you know we've always you know obviously the staircase. You know Tucker started racing when he was three. He was running the full Grand National Series at age four. You know a little DR fifty and a little limited class. Um, I mean, honest to God, Lenny, he, he rode the Grand Nationals at car seat. I mean, we're talking 20-some hours in a car seat, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't think there's many kids that really can say that, and they just like, I, I guess I didn't think nothing of it. He didn't think nothing of it because he didn't know anything different, you know, and he went, he went racing from us with us since he was an infant, you know, he didn't race until he was four national level but he was at the race with us because that's that was our job that's what we did and he went with us so Tucker don't really have much of a normal childhood I don't think you know what I mean like, I guess how do you how do you put normal into that you know what I mean he was raised around race teams I mean anything from the factory Polaris teams to the factory Audi Cat teams and you know, just so many different things that this child has grown up around that most kids never will ever experience Oh, oh, totally. I mean, my son tells people stories that uh, about his childhood, and they they can't believe it. And um, Tucker, you have a rare, rare opportunity to not only carry on a life that most people will never even understand, because it's never going to be normal ever again. It never yeah. was normal, and it never will be normal. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think that's something I never really thought. Like, like he said to me, that never. Growing up, that wasn't something I ever noticed because it was just what I knew. You know, that was just how it was. Um, but as I gotten older, I've gotten to see that from a different perspective, kind of, you know, maybe being like a little bit more understanding of it. And I do, I do value it a lot. You know, a lot of things we've gotten to do. It's just, it's crazy. I bet it is. Have you got to race internationally with your dad too? No, I have, I have not been able to internationally race outside of the country. Um, we've talked about it a couple of times, but uh, just haven't, you know, really gotten to it. It's something we'd like to do, but, um, you know, if the opportunity arises, I think it's something we definitely would jump at. Yeah. That's something, you know, that you brought that up. That's, that's my bucket list. <laughs> I mean, I would love, I've never got to go to, never got to go to Pontevu. You know, it's something I've had opportunities to go. I was invited to go, but I was always committed to other things at the time and I couldn't go. Just never aligned. You know, obviously, I'm 
you know, to be able to do it at my age, you know, now it's probably getting the chances are getting kind of skinny for me to get something put together with someone overseas. But you know, I, I would love to be able to race over there with Tucker. I think that you know, that'd be a dream for me. Well, okay, let's let's go back in time a little bit and get a little off topic, and then we're gonna I'm gonna bring us back. But rendezvous. If you look at some of the guys that race Pondevue in history, and Tucker, you can check this out because you have the tech ability to Google it, which your dad and I are still trying to turn the computer on. <laughs> but if you look at some of the ages of some of the guys when I was going over there uh, and, and working with the teams that I got to work with and got to race 50s, you know, no problem guys in their 50s that that uh hold on a second i'll get you back can you hear us yeah i can hear you all right we're we here. got you there we go <laughs> see tech you know I, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to and there we go but the, oh, some of the guys were in their 40s 50 years old i, I mean i've seen guys race there in their 60s so um and then they were fast yep so I don't think I don't think you're done yet, um, but putting a program together and getting to go do that would be awesome. Because I love I think the two greatest races I've ever raced in my life: Vegas, Torino, and Pondevu. Something I haven't done yet is a desert race. So uh, you know, at this point, you might just want to not because it, <laughs> <laughs> you've done so many other cool things that saying you never race a desert races. I love it. Um, but I grew up on the West Coast. I grew up in the environment. Um, if you were going to take me to the ice, I might be standing outside going, we're supposed to go out there, really? Yeah. We actually want to go out there, you know? So if we keep it in perspective of our world, you know, uh, I think that you, know, you have an amazing circle, and I don't know if I don't know if I would venture out of it. Rendezvous is in that circle of style of riding. Yeah, I think I think Tucker and I'd be a hell of a fit there because the high speed TT style track, what I've seen in the videos and pictures and stuff over there, I think we'd be a great fit. You know, hold a lot of speed. You know, used to, I guess. You know, my experience with the 10 hours and 12 hours endurance races like that, I understand what it takes to keep things alive. You know, Tucker's learned, yeah, he's young, but he's learned that he has to keep things alive to get there. You got to finish first to, to win, you know what I mean? And, uh, you got to finish, to finish first, you must first finish. Yeah, yeah. and he understands that. I mean, you know, we went through some growing pains when he was younger. You know, he's some hard on some transmissions and stuff one season, and, you know, some of it was him, some of it was making making things different on the bike so he was comfortable and not tearing stuff up you know it wasn't you can't always point the finger at just a rider you gotta look at your mechanical side of things too and try to work from both sides and that's what we end up doing and we, we haven't had problems since so how is the dynamic and we let's go back and forth dad to son son to dad when you work with your children and i know this from experience sometimes it gets a little frustrating because they don't see the importance of doing some of the things that we do, Daryl. Um, how is that dynamic for you guys? Yeah, I guess I'll go first. You know, I think the uh, we work together day in and day out. Tucker is a full-time welder at the shop. 
he went to school for welding, you know, so he's been working, he's been welding for me for what? Five years, right? Five years, right? He went, to, you know, through technical college here and got his degree in welding, which went relatively quick for him, obviously, um, because he had so much experience. So, you know, like you said, you hit it in the head there. I mean, we work day in, day out with each other. And, uh, and then on the weekends, we're working together again playing together or whatever you want to call it, we're still together. And uh, as a father, I'm, I've, I'm extremely, I guess, grateful. I guess I'm going to use that word because it's like, how, how can you not want to work with your son? Right. How can you not want to race with your son? And the opportunities there, and granted, I mean, that's, maybe Ewing Tucker may grow and someday and it's like, you know what, Dad, I'm going to move on. Or, we don't know. I don't know what the future holds, you know, maybe, maybe he wants to run the shop himself. I, you know, that's been discussed. You know, there's a lot of things there and I don't know to what level we're going to end up because nobody holds the cards. I mean, we don't know. So we're going to just wait and see how it rolls out. And I mean, obviously I'd love to see him continue the name if we can, if that, that works, but if it don't, you know, I understand and, and we just shoot from there. I mean, sometimes you got to roll with it. You know that. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I, I, I worked for my father. I work with my brother and, and, uh, work with my dad occasionally. So I, I get the dynamic. That's why I'm, I'm getting into the, the conversation about how you guys mesh, um, with the conflict and non-conflict. There's, there's stress. I'm not going to lie to you. We're not, we're not, we're not the, we don't come home happy every day. I guarantee you that. I mean, you know what I think we're, I've been pretty fortunate. You know, like Tucker is always a mature child because he was raised by an environment of people that are always older than him around it. I mean, he, he grew up with race teams. He grew up around professional people. You know, he, you know and uh, I think that in alone, you know, on the maturity level, especially when Tucker was like in his 15s, 14s, you know, when he's that age, like when we do things with his friends, uh, you know, Jen and I look at each other, it's like, wow, big differences. You know, I think Tucker hung out with older friends even, you know, through school, school yeah. throughout school because he fit in better with the older kids than he did with his classmates. I mean, I, yeah. Um, I mean, growing up, like he said, you know, I, I was around a lot of, you know, his racers, his race teams. Um, so I always looked up to those guys, you know, and that's who I spent, you know, most of my time with, you know, outside of school. Um, and then, you know, as, you know, I get older, I'm still learning from those same people, you know, and being around him, um, me and him get along as, you know, we still have that father and son dynamic just in the fact of respect and everything. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I look more at my dad as, you know, my friend because we spend so much time together. You know, we do, you know, we do what we love together. We get, you know, really fortunate to do these things. And, um, I mean, it's not always perfect and we have our rough patches, but I think the biggest thing we're working on now is more or less communication just between us two. But, um, I think, I don't think the communication ever changes. I think the communication, I mean, you know, Tucker hit on a couple of things that I look at the communication there is, you know, he can bring some things to the table for me in the shop 
at the racetrack that I can't do. I mean, he has a different perspective. And anybody that's listening to this, the the more heads you can put in the game sometimes, the the more unique things you can come up with. Because we all get that tunnel vision when you're looking at something like, you think that's the only way it can be manufactured, built, whatever. And you got a 50-year-old guy and a 19-year-old guy have two different perspectives. So in the shop, I appreciate the hell out of it because he can bring some things to the table, even if he doesn't have the experience in fabricating and stuff that, that I do. Just he's got that, he's got a different perspective, whether it's how it should look or what he thinks his, his, his generation is going to like. And that's important to growth in my world, in my business. And that's what I, I, I mean, I, I lean on him a lot for that. I mean, if it's coming down to what a t-shirt should look like or what a sweatshirt should look like or what, you know, whatever. I lean on him. You know, I get it. You know, I mean, uh, Tucker, I don't know if you've been around or heard much, but we at Duncan Racing are, are cookie cutter old school. I mean, we do things in the same decal, same logo, same layout. Um, and, and it works, it works for us, but it, it, it doesn't grab youth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think you can appreciate that more than Daryl and I can, because we would run the same decal forever because we like that. It's not always what we like. Yeah. And, and that's, Lenny, that's tough for us to let go sometimes. It really is. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, Tucker hit a little bit of the communication side. I mean, even at the track now, you know, I'm, I'm giving him more and more opportunity to test things. You know, he used to be the kid that I just put it, I set it up the way I thought it should be and he would just ride it. Right. Now we're splitting hairs where he needs, he needs, you know, to try different shocks in it. He needs to try different ride heights. He needs to try different tires, different compounds, different, you name it. Um, you name it. There's so many things we can do to these machines because he, he is not me. He rides a lot like me. Everybody says he rides a lot like me, but he's he's still not me. Right. I mean, he, he, he has a lot, a lot of the characters and stuff. That's why he's been, I can set up a bike and it's awful close for him and he can ride it. But at the end of the day, he's got to be super comfortable to run the pace that he's going to be stacked up against here in the future. No matter what, he's got to have it. And he's going to have to be able to get there when I can't get him there. You know, and I, I can't take it out of the box and say, well, this is what you got. And if he can't tell me what he needs or what the, the machine's doing, then we're stuck. So it takes a lot of work. Let's, let me ask you this question. So let's say dad doesn't set the bike. Do you have or have you paid enough attention to set your own bike? Um, I, today I believe I could. You know, I could at least get it close. Um, if you asked me that question four or five years ago, I, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, and I think that's probably one of the bigger things that we focused on, like he said, um, you know, is me being able to, first of all, be able to tell what's going on with the bike, you know, pay attention to what's happening. And then also be able to think of things that I can change to fix that or counteract it. Um, that's something that I've worked on a ton. You know, I understand, um, like you said, ride height, you know, shock settings. I understand a lot more about how that's going to affect, you know, what I need to change and what that will change on, on the bike itself and how it performs. Um, I think I've come along. 
over the past couple of years. And, you know, I still ask him for help. You know, I definitely don't go to the racetrack and do it myself. I, I would never claim that I do that. But um, I think, you know, he's trying to set me up to be more independent because, like he said, he won't always be able to help me. So um, a little bit of pressure there, but it's, it's worth it. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pass those skills on. And you've got a great teacher, though, it sounds like. Daryl, have you had Tucker out on the motocross track much? Very little. I mean, uh, we had a motocross track here at the, at the home. I guess I live out in the country, so I'm going to call it the farm. Um, that I originally built when my father was alive because I live in my home place. I bought it back after my parents passed away and with the intention that I want them to be my forever home I like because I love it here it's 15 acres out in the country of beautiful woods and um and my motocross track and a lot of good memories are here and that's why I want to get back to it and it's a place where you know Tucker can do the same thing I got to do and uh so I mean yeah he rode my 450 when he's pretty young uh 14 I think so. yeah so he rode on the motocross track there when I had it you know and uh I mean, we now we have a track right at the shop so we can come right out of the shop doors and go out on top of the hill and, and ride. It's a, a very, very technical TT track. Um, about 50 second lap times, but there's so much stuff in there because I use it for my riding schools and stuff. And uh, to be honest with you, it's very, very tough to put in consistent laps. You know, we use a, Tucker and I both use Lit Pros, um, something that I've learned to be an absolutely awesome, I'm not sponsored by Lit Pro, but to be able to to test and not have a stopwatch, because I, I usually have to ride by myself. You know, when talking about older, obviously that's changed now, but I always had to test by myself and I didn't have someone to, to stopwatch me. And this Lit Pro can tell me so much because I can break the track into segments and I can, I, I can, I can real honestly tell you the machine is faster in this corner because of let's just say tires or suspension or whatever you know we changed or played with you know we can we can do starts you know and then something that you know for a while i think i think tucker was really apprehensive about using his lip probe i think he's realized that because he didn't he, he felt that if he didn't have numbers that were equal maybe you can be like me a little tucker that were equal to dad's he felt <laughs> that he was he was letting me down or letting himself down but at the end of the day it's 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 for tuning and testing i mean keeps you honest you know are you as fast on the 12th lap as you are on the second and third lap you know are are you where you need to be for conditioning you know are we having shock fade are we having brake fade whatever it's all right there i mean and, and what feels sometimes in your head feels faster it's not faster right and, you know this thing's gps so it's you know global site you know, it's a satellite deal so it doesn't lie it's it's extremely accurate and you know i do quite a bit of work with hoosier and we do development work with them guys on different tires and stuff and it's like they trust me to do a lot and tucker gets to ride some of the stuff that you know it's pretty impressive you know and again we'll go back to the advantages of having someone that's been in the sport as long as i have it opens up more doors for him and he's he already has a relationship with these engineers from hoosier you know what I hope he carries that relationship with those guys for years. I mean, like, I don't know how long we've known each other, I guess. Probably what, I'm guessing close to 25 years, I'm guessing. Like 30 years. Huh? So, I mean, 
I've been in a long time, and, and, and I hope to God that, you know, that he has a drive and the determination that, and that, he, that I have yet. And it's, I hope he can still do that. And if he doesn't, I get it. But it's, I'm going to give him every opportunity I can to, to maintain and put him with the right people. Because if you don't have the right people, programs don't work. Exactly. Exactly. Tucker, it looked like you had something you wanted to say in there. Oh, yeah. Well, just about like the um, lap times and stuff. Uh, just it, That was more or less just, I guess, myself putting like pressure on myself. Um, yeah, I just didn't like the thought of having, like, I didn't like putting numbers on my laps. I just, something I've gotten over and I, I, I can use that data now more and I enjoy having that data. But um, I don't know, I just kind of went through a stage of where I felt like, I had to be so good, you know, just because my last name, my last name carries a lot of weight. Yeah. So um, that's something I've gotten over a lot in the past couple of years. You know, not only, you know, am I just getting older? I'm just a lot more confident in myself. You know, I show up, you know, I know I can, I know I can go out there and win. Or I can go out there and run up front. You know, it's just, I think something that came with time and just experience. Do you believe, Daryl? Um, and you can chime in on this too, Tucker. If you look at off-road, you look at desert, and you look at motocross, uh, and you look at the woods, the older guys are generally the champs. Do you see the same thing in the TT racing? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's a young guy that we run with now. His name is uh, Wayne Stanga. He's, he's one of our riders from... South Dakota, he's definitely, you know, one of the new local, and not just local to us, I guess, but he's, you know, nationally fast. He can go anywhere and run up front. <clears throat> you know, but Blaine's been doing it as long as Tucker has. He grew up with Tucker, I and mean, they raced the minis together, and they raced the 300Xs together, and so on and so on. But, uh, you know, the big thing, I think, with any rider, younger riders, is, is the maturity. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm not going to say, well, Daryl's judging people. Okay. What I'm, what I'm trying to explain is, is to win a championship puts pressure on you. Okay. And some riders can handle that pressure very well, and some can't. And I've been there enough to understand that you maybe don't win the race, but you got to set your goals for that championship. You know what? And, you know, I think, I don't know if it's Carmichael or Dungy, and Sim, you know, I watch a lot of Supercross, it's like, you know, you win your championships on your bad days. Yes. You know? That's that's how championships are won on your bad days. You know, and I think you always fight for every last point, because I remember, I remember going home one point short when I was racing for Polaris, and it cost me a lot of money, over $25,000 in Polaris alone. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. It's tough to go to bed that night and sleep good. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, because I look at I, I looked at every race I did and everything I did throughout the whole series, and it came down to one point. <clears throat> and if I, if I could have had it all over again, I I probably been better off. The you know I won that night and, and won the very last race, which I had to win. But the guy that I needed to, that was leading points needed to finish third and he got second. I couldn't put anybody between us. And that's what cost me the championship. And then we, you know, we had a mechanical earlier in the year, and it's just, you know, that, that bite to this day, that's, I don't know how many years ago it is. That's probably 2004, 5, we're going back to. So, I mean, 
pretty raw yet. Even in my world yet, it's like I learned that you fight for every point. You don't give up no matter what. I mean, because if you can pass one more guy, that might mean a difference between a championship and a second place. And if, at the end of the day, the championships, like Wayne told me from PEP a long time ago, that's what people remember. They don't remember just a race. They're going to remember championships. And that's, that's how you, that's how you keep sponsors and all that. I think it all stacks. You know, and I think that, I mean, nobody remembers second. Nobody remembers that. They don't. You win nine races out of a 12 race series and end up number two. You they don't remember two. <laughs> and that's, that's what it's, I think, uh, you know, Tucker's, you know, and these younger guys, are, they're going to have to learn how to manage that. Believe me, I mean, just the Terracross stuff. I mean, the night before that last race at the Terracross Championship, I mean, I don't know if I hardly slept, and that's when you need the best sleep ever. And, and I'm sure anybody that's ever been at that, you know, at that point in their life, it's like, it's hard to sleep. It's hard to turn it all off. You know, you triple check, and you got good mechanics, and you get everything. And usually that's when the train comes off the tracks, is that day. But you got to learn to manage it. You've got to just keep your head down and just focus. That it's, it's just another race. I need to be up front and, and get there. You know what I mean? So it's never over until it's over. So One of the biggest things that I think that we do, and I think you're going to agree to this, is we overcomplicate it. We got to keep our circle so our circle and quit trying to make it rounder than it is because it's already round. And just go out there and do what you do. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's just, a, you know, just another race and, and ride your own race. It's so important. You know, those, and someone told me that a long time ago is smooth is always fast. You know, like, consistency is all that stuff all adds up. And, uh, and being comfortable, and, and, and you know, that's something Tucker's really learned a lot this year is you know, his conditioning and stuff. You know, he, he put his head down after last season and spent. I got a CrossFit gym out here in the in the, the race shop at the at the farm here, and so he's got a hell of an advantage. He can go out there and do whatever he wants, and no memberships and all that stuff works out really good. And you know, if he if he wants the help, I'll give him all the help in the world. You know, because I didn't have a lot of training when I was younger. You know, I. Just for the last three, four years, I started CrossFit. And, you know, I got a trainer that I work with daily, obviously. And uh, I learned a ton. I mean, stuff that I wish I would have had when I was 20. So, right. Right. Evolution of, of it. <laughs> Physical conditioning has gotten so much better. I would say in the last 10 years, it's unbelievable. Correct. I mean, you look at the Chad Neans and the Hetricks and... You know, when you start talking to dirt bike guys, I mean, the level that some of those guys are at is just mind-boggling. Phenomenal. So, Tucker, what do you do to, to, to condition for a TT race? I mean, I, I know we're not going to go out and ride a 20-plus minute motor on the motocross track, but, but talk us through a, a, a TT race, what, what you need for conditioning, and, and what it takes to get to that level. Um, I mean, for me, for the most part, you know, I'm not a huge, I don't work out a ton. You know, I don't do huge exercises. Um, my main goal when I started conditioning last after last season was to gain a little bit of mass, first of all. Um, and then, you know, one of the bigger things that I, you know, struggle with facing is just getting tired in general. You know, whether it be, um, it, I mean, it's just kind of an overall fatigue. So that was one thing I wanted to avoid, especially my arms. You know, you get that arm pump and it's just, it can kill your race. Um, 
that's one of the main things I struggle with is being tired by that last lap. So, um, and then as of recently, um, I've been working more and more on just straight up conditioning as in just um, being able to give it your all for a certain amount of time because that's what it is. I mean, when that light goes green and tell the checkered flag waves, I mean, you're giving it everything you got. So, um, been working a lot with like the roll machines. You know, you see the Supercross guys work on those a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, one kind of general rule, like he said, you know, um, that he gave me was you want to be able to give it your max on the rolling machine for at least as long as you're racing. So, um, that's one thing I've been working on a lot more recently is the actual, um, being able to give it your all for that long over actual just, um, like weightlifting. What's, what's the duration of a main event? You know, like normal main events are probably about eight minutes, ten minutes. Some wow. be at twelve, depending on how long. But it's it's the intensity. Yes, it's a sprint. I mean, it's you know, a motocross. I'm not going to say it's not a sprint, but twenty minutes is because I've done both. Okay, the TT is so intense, and the marks are so your marks are so tight that you can lose a bike length to two bike lengths by just missing a foot in a corner by going in too deep or not deep enough or whatever you get into loose stuff i mean because it's 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 technical super tight lines i guess you know there's there's traction in in certain spots because the way they water the track or whatever you know whatever happened to the track over the way if you don't hit those marks, I mean, again, we're back to the lip pro, you can see, you know, two tenths, three tenths a second, two tenths, you know, two, three tenths a second, a lap, well, that adds up. You can't give it up. It's, you know, at the speeds are running, that two to three tenths a second is a lot. So it's a big difference. I mean, that's, you know, I think, you know, Tucker, with the, the rolling machine, ours converts into a skier too, so you can ski with it. Um, and, it's great. I mean, you know, I worked with the trainer a little bit that helped out back when I was racing Terracross and told me that, you know, say you race, say you're training for a 10 minute race. He told me I was to train a solid 12, you know, another two minutes. Go another minute to two minutes over what you're normally, tra- you know, what you're normally running. So I always shoot for that 12 minute mark because I know for sure I got everything covered. That's awesome. That's, that's super awesome. How, I know, Tucker, you haven't done a lot of motocross, but you've ridden a little. Mm-hmm. And how much more difficult is the bike setup for you, TT versus motocross? You're going to, I know, Daryl, you're going to have a better answer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get both, okay? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can't say I know too much about when it comes to motocross setup. Um, I guess from my personal experience, I think. The biggest things are, um, you know, on motocross when you're adjusting certain things, it's, I guess I don't know, how to, I don't know how to word that. Um, it's a give and take. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 can have, it can make your ride a lot better. Um, but I think when it comes to TT, especially with the speed and stuff that we're running, and, you know, like he said, those marks that you have to hit, um, those adjustments can make or break the night. If, you know... Oh, for example, in some falls, we're practicing out on a really dry track, or in, even in our heats, you know, the track will be really, really dry. 
So, you know, that makes me want to set it up so I'm more hooked, I have more forward and side bite or whatever I need to do. Um, you know, if I adjust that and then the mains of the tracks will really be hooked up, well, then my race is over because I'm going to be bicycling the whole way around the track. You know, I won't be able to keep it all flat. Um, you know, and that's one thing, you know, I guess just in my experience that I can talk about, I, I don't have enough MX experience to really put input on the setups for those. So elaborate a little bit for me on, uh, before we go to Daryl on the, what do you do different for the dry versus the evening where the moisture comes up and then the track gets more tacky? Um, one of the main things is um, like a simple thing, um, a little bit softer my rear spring so I can transfer my weight to the rear end of the bike a lot easier. And it also helps those, like if it's drier, it'll help those rear tires hook up a lot better. Um, and then, you know, that would counteract and in the night, I would raise it up a little bit or stiffen it. So I, it, I have a lot more um, of that. My center of gravity can move forward. Um, you know, the biggest thing, I guess, for me is traction. Because, you know, in ours, it's all about speed. How fast can you come out of that corner? How, how fast can you go into that corner? Um, I guess, yeah. yeah. Hey. I want to. I want to continue just a little bit. We'll get back to you, Daryl, on the differences. When when you're setting that up in the day versus the night, how much difference do you do? You have to adjust brakes. Um, are you worried about too much brake fade? And 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 how do you control that? Um, as far as braking, um, we I guess we don't really mess with our brakes too much. Um, the action themselves. Um, it's more or less comes down to the actual rider and when you are braking on the track. Um, it's okay. You can look at me. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I only got a good answer, but I guess I just. Well, if it's not something that you adjust much, obviously you don't seem to be having too much issues with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this brake fade and stuff isn't something I, I've struggled a lot with. Um, I've lost brakes a couple times, um, but it's not a common occurrence for me. I guess I don't, I don't run them that hard. I mean, it's not something I've struggled with too much in, in my experience. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is it's got to be, it's traction all the way around the track. Do um, you, do you lose traction in such a short race? Can you burn up a set of tires? Oh yeah. Um, uh, for example, that, that weekend I won. I actually burnt through a set and a half of tires. Um, I burnt through a set in the heat. And then by the end of the night with the other set I put on, I just, we put on the exact same set, just a brand new, um, I grew them at the track. And then by the end of the night with those, um, they were halfway burnt up already. They're, they're practice tires already. Um, and that's because when we got there that day, the track already had blue roof, um, before we even started riding on it from the previous weekend. Um, that's not too common, but, um, a lot, I mean, it's a lot about track condition. So, I mean, whenever we go to the track, we always go and walk the track, or we at least go and look at the track, because, I mean, that's huge. You got to know what you're, you're running into out there. Um, How many new tracks a year do you guys get to go to? Recently, we've been mainly sticking to Sioux Valley, uh, Sioux Valley Site Club in Sioux Falls. Um, it's just a great facility, a really fun track, um, and we race fast people there. Um, like he said, Blaine Senga is from Sioux Falls. Um, so it's not like we're going out there and, you know, just kind of winning or dominating because we're fast. It's 
we're going out there and you know we still get to compete with top of the nation people out there um other than that like we went down to fort dodge iowa this year for the uh, united dirt track series and that was a place that never had a track uh, we actually built the first flat track there but we started with nothing and built it throughout the week or leading up to the weekend and like for example that track was really rough you know and i'm used to sioux falls where it's smooth um as well as um we're running on like a dirt car oval so you know you got two different types of dirt you have that infield dirt and then the out outfield or uh, oval dirt so going to different tracks uh usually go out to practice you know kind of and that's where it comes on to me working on what the bike's doing you know being like able to read the bike and communicate with him and kind of put our heads together and adjust things that's right but at least there's two of you and you're in the same camp i i noticed in the photos you guys both ride different machines yeah i mean uh, you know it's something that you know I, traditionally i've been i've been riding a yzr chassis base chassis with the uh with a ktm motor in it so it's a ktm to 2017 or 2018 um ktm you know 450sx motor and the machine that Tucker switched to this year is he's I built it mid season last year. Yeah, we got it done mid season. It's a, another KTM powered bike, but it's in a Honda chassis, a TRX chassis. And then we also have a YFZ dual carbureted chassis. We have two of those again with the Husky 450s in it. Uh, our KTM 450s depending, they're really the same motor. So I guess I get confused a little bit sometimes which motor is which in them, but because um, they're all the same. But we've had really good luck with these KTM Husky motors. Um, we try to run the same ones, you know, the 17, 18, and then change lanes for similar heights and all that stuff so we can interchange parts. And uh, just a phenomenal motor, weighs 58 pounds, takes great horsepower, transmission's been solid, and you know, come with hydraulic clutch, they come with traction control. Um, just, just a solid piece. I mean, you know, generally when we race these Hondas, especially myself, I couldn't make a full season on a transmission, you know, an 06 up bike, I couldn't make a full season. Tucker was having transmission issues, you know, too, you know, and so we were taking these things apart, putting new transmission parts and start talking billet gears and start talking all that stuff. It's just like, to be honest with you, Lenny, I got to a point where it's like, I, I didn't want to ride old technology anymore. A little bit of selfishness on my part, but you know, but if I was going to ride a new something new, I want my son to ride the same thing, and that's how he ended up on on these. Um, we're working on some new stuff right now, uh, chassis lines that have you tried the R motor, the Yamaha R motor at all? The out of the dirt bike? No, out of the, the quad. Well, I built I built a brand new one of them in fifteen with some help from Mr. Donnie Lewis. Go back some old friends again. You know how that goes. Um, yeah. Donnie helped me out with a bike, and I ran that a whole season. But that's when those things are relatively new. You know, there wasn't a lot of guys getting the horsepower on them. We didn't have the Mark Baldwin's and, and all those guys digging into them. You know, Chad was really the only guy, and he, you know, he had some stuff that he did for motocross. But the problem I ran into is we couldn't get the parts and stuff that we needed for that motor to get that thing to run at these big tracks, like, for example, going to Ashtabula. I mean, I went to Ashtabula. I mean, it's smaller tracks around here. I was fine, but I went to Ashtabula. Those guys drove right around on the outside of me on the end of that front straightaway. You know, these, these Hondas that were making close to 70 horse, 
you know, we were running 60 and a motor that was heavier, chassis that was heavier, and it was just too much to give up. I couldn't, at that time, you know, we didn't have, I think, you know, these guys, now these motors are making mid-60s, you know, on a motocross bike. So, I mean, you know, they're running KTM throttle bodies, and then all the, you know, all of a sudden you got all these, these people, these, these talented engine builders chasing horsepower out of these motors, because this is the bike, the quad race now, because that's, that's it, you know, that's what these guys are going to run. Now these things are fast. I mean, now if we come back to, you know, say if I took a, a YZR and had sent it to Mark and had Mark build me a motor, I know the thing would run competitively right now. I mean, my old bike that I still, that I built in 15 still races against us on a weekly basis, you know, and uh, the thing's still, still on the podium with us once in a while. You know, you know, they put the KTM throttle bodies and stuff on it. You know, it's Jacob Schroble and he's a, he's a talented kid. He's got, thousands of laps over in Sioux Valley and you know he's he puts the thing up there and it's a, it's it utilizes the power it makes it gets it to the ground and it's very tractable that that base you know the KTM motors and stuff that Tucker and I are running now or is a big thing is in my world is it's 20 pounds lighter you know it's it's we don't have to spend a bunch of money to make it go fast. I mean, seriously, the motor the, that I've been running this year is Tucker's old bike that come last season because I had some issues with mine for a month in June there. So I was down on mine. Um, so I just rode his old bike and, uh, it's, it's seriously got a deck cylinder in it. It's got a stock piston, stock valve, stock cam, and porting and a pipe and a tune. And that thing runs with some of the best built bikes out there. You know, and uh, whether it's a tight technical track or the big track like we ran down in Fort Dodge, Iowa, that's it's a it's blazing out of three eight stock car tracks. I mean, it was fast. I mean, we were, what we were running our lit pros, some of seventy four, seventy five miles an hour, seventy six miles an hour. We were running. I mean, to take a motor like that and and be that competitive with it, with that kind of work, I think is impressive. You know, and, you know, I'm not in a, a really an old chassis. It's 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 a long ways from uh, new. I mean, it's got some it's got some cracks, got some bugs in it because it's old. It's vi- it's got the vibration and stuff was beaded up, and we had to learn a little bit on these motors because they they got some vibration, so we had to isolate them. You know, that one you doesn't have all that stuff done, and, and the thing still runs freaking awesome. I mean, the other day Tucker and I got rained out on Saturday, and friend of ours stopped by and went to get some seat time because he had changed a bunch of stuff on his machine. So he rode and Tucker and I rode and, and I was joking, I think with Tucker before we left off the hill, it's like, cause Tucker rode before I, myself and I said, do you think I can break into a 42 today? Cause I don't know, dad's pretty dry up there. So I, I took that bike up there and I ran 42s, you know, it's you know, old YMZ, carbureted chassis, nothing special. I mean, it's got good shocks and RAM and swing arm stuff on it, but the motor is very, very basic, you know, and got a Henson clutch in it, and that's it. And it's, it's pretty simple. No billet gears, no polish, no nothing. It just, it just works. Is it that the old Kiss method working? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? And uh, it's, it's been super dependable. And uh, you know, we, have, we, we learned. We haven't even gone into the. You know, we have traction control, launch control. We haven't even messed with that. I know. 
I talk to Mark Baldwin a lot, and, uh, and Mark and them guys been working with it, you know, with the YZRs because they got the Vortec boxes, which obviously you know a lot about. And he's been he's been tuning and playing with that, you know, with the Fords, and something I guess I would like to spend more time with because you know this this platform, I guess, as far as I'm concerned, that me and Tucker talk. Well, I don't see us leaving it for a while because I I I love what we have going on. These things are gnarly. Electric start can't beat it. So I will answer any questions that you guys have if you're ever interested in, in knowing what I know in my pea brain. That'd be awesome. You know, so, I mean, it's it, it's it's complicated, but not. And uh, it's a, it's a conversation you should definitely have because I think it would it would definitely improve your overall package. You know, I'd love to. There's some things that uh, there's some things there's definitely things that that I don't do that that you can learn about and then there's some things that i do that others don't do um because i like to keep it simple i don't want to do i don't want to overcomplicate it gotcha you know it's just uh, i wanted to ask a question do you still build your own uh, sway bars for those yep so i mean really we're down to right now that you know besides the power plants themselves the frame is the only thing we don't build Everything else on these machines is a wrap. And that's the last nut I'm going to crack here. And we're going to do it real soon. That My goal is next year when Tucker and I go to the line that we will be on a full wrap bike. Really? Yeah. So they'll allow you to run. You don't have any con uh, uh, OEM constriction in any of the rules. Everything we do, we don't. Really, like I told Tucker tonight, we just had a conversation earlier tonight, is the only place right now that the production rule even affects anybody is the AMA Pro Motocross guys for the quads. You know, there, I think there is a production class for you know, maybe like an A and a B and a C class maybe at the Motocross Nationals, but if you want to go run these other classes, there's plenty of classes, you know, to run the programs and, and stuff like that. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, the restrictions of being tied to that, I'd love to be able to buy a new one, a new machine like what we got, you know, but it's just not there right now for us. Um, so I just assume build it. And we're going to go back to the old lager days, um, the old 250Rs, and the, when we started putting dirt bike motors, I mean, it's, it's, it's came full circle on us. And here we are again. It's not ideal. I, I, I'd, I'd rather have it was full of production bikes like we used to have because that was awesome because we had more people in the sport. But I think if, if, if Rath Racing is going to continue to grow and, and stay in this market, this is the next step for us, is to have a chassis. What do you think of the hybrid market, Tucker? Um, as far as, you know, ours and just like it coming back again? Well, um, you're, you're 19. Mm -hmm. You got to figure, you, your dad and I started with three-wheelers. Yep. Okay, we lived through the companies carrying the industry, and we've lived through the factories decimating our industry and, and, and leaving the, the independence kind of on the wayside. Mm -hmm. um, but if you go back and, and you think that hybrid racing is going to bring it back? I mean, it's cool. I mean, the, the, what's cool about it, it when we get into this and we, you know, we eliminate that production rule, um, it opens the door for all sorts of combinations. I mean, you know, there's not only the KTM and Husqvarna motors, you have every dirt bike motor or anything you'd want to use. You can put it in a chassis at that point. 
Um, I think as far as, you know, it, I think it has a bright future when it comes to the hybrids because we've only been riding on the hybrids and actually racing, competing with them for three years, two years. And we've learned so much and we're still learning and we're still testing things, you know, to see what works better. So I'm all for it. Um, you know, like you said, you know, the factories and the, produ like the production companies aren't, you know, they're not really there for our sport anymore. So if we got to do what we got to do to, you know, make things faster and keep moving forward, then that's what we'll do. Weren't you worried about the cost? As far as that goes, Lenny, I mean, just for example, if you recall, and I, I mean, I'm not trying to turn this on Mark Bowen, but I just asked Mark, I said, so if I were to buy a YMZR brand new and send you the motor and, and then tell you I want a Bryce Ford motor, that motor is going to cost me almost $10,000. Okay. Is that cheap? Okay, now you have a $10,000 quad just to get it off the showroom floor for Mr. Consumer, right? Just an average consumer. Then you put almost 10 grand in the motor. Now you don't have suspension, you don't have shocks, you don't have A-arms, you don't have swing arm, you don't have linkage, you don't have an axle. I mean, to build a YFZR motocross worthy ready at, let's just say retail pricing, let's just say, can you get it done for 20 grand? I don't think you can. I mean, I think you're probably in the neighborhood of $25,000 to have a Chad Wynn, Bryce Ford, you know, those guys is, you know, Joe Hetrick replica bike. Okay. Is, is, is a hybrid completely out to lunch? I don't know. Well, okay. The last Lobo that I sold in 2003 before the four strokes came out was $34,000. Okay. So 250R, Royal Lobo chassis. Axis shocks, you know, every bell and whistle, shamrocks, you know, you know the drill. You, yeah. you lived it. So you take that now. If I go buy a CRF 450, then now I have to build a chassis or have it buy a chassis, shocks, A arms, but I bought, I'm buying, I'm basically buying two machines and then I have a motorcycle left over I got to get rid of. And see, that's, that's part of the problem. I mean, if we, if we could find a source for the motors, you know, honestly, I buy a lot of my stuff on eBay. I've bought brand new dirt bikes and taken the stuff out. I've done it twice just recently or now. You know, I do one for a customer. I do one for myself. Um, but I've been buying them off of eBay. And they're, they're there. Um, COVID changed it. There used to be a lot more there and the prices weren't as expensive as they are right now. COVID's changed that because Everybody's in the power sports now, um, for, which is awesome. I love it. But, uh, you know, for, I mean, just like a Yamaha, why is the art? And I tried to order in a brand new frame, you know, for the machine I've been racing. They're backward until December. And the new frame is $1,800, just a frame. So, I mean, it, it, racing's never going to be cheap. Okay. Right. In, 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 Motocross guys are wrecking stock frames. It's the same stuff we dealt with in the old 250R days. The old frames, they're junk. They're tired, they're wore out, they're broke. I mean, the, the TRX 450s, you know, they're, they're old. The chassis are, it's hard to find a clean bike. Okay, it's hard to find when it's going to live. And if you do buy a stock 
nice clean bike. Um, you still have to do all the work to the chassis. I mean, these the machines are expensive, and I, I guess you know what is expensive. I mean, it's it's relevant. I guess, right? You agree with me there? What you know? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I, mean, I, I think that I think that uh, you're you're nailing it with with what we have to go through to make them racers. But what what's what's going to hurt us though is myself, Tucker. Guys that have been in the sport for a long time, we have no problem building something. But we take this thing to the race, and and you can relate. You've been there with you've been this. You've had that same question asked to you. I want to buy one of those. Where can I go get it? Well, you have to build it. You know, and that's we lose guys not so much because of the price tag. We lose guys because they just clearly don't even know where to start. And that doesn't make them ignorant. It doesn't make them stupid. It just makes them new. And that's all it's to it. I think the new blood is going to slow down. It really will. I mean, the new riders getting involved is going to be tough. That's, I mean, that's the level classes are, are rough now, too, because the, the mini stuff is, is so difficult. You know, some of the mini quads aren't, aren't. The mini quad industry isn't what it used to be. We have a, what, how many classes they have over at Sioux Valley? Three or four. Three or four, and the class has been really big. That's good. I mean, which to me is a future, but I guess a transition. You know, I mean, I talked to Donnie at Yamaha, and, you know, Luce was telling me that, you know, he would love to see Tucker and I flew out to Supercross two years ago, maybe two years is January, because of COVID, you know, last year, but yeah, I talked to Donnie and I said, Donnie, I said, where's Yamaha at? What are they looking to do? And you know, he told me, he says, I would like to see them, you know, come out with a the 250, the transition bike, you know, the 450, and and not just use the ATV motor like we are now, use the dirt bike technology and the motors and put them in the same chassis, maybe what they have, and and give the, the riders when they leave the minis, the 90s and the 80s or whatever, a stepping stone that they can ride a 250. I mean, I would love to see. I mean, I put Tucker on a 250, and that was his transition. I mean, he came from a 90 to a 300, 300EX, and then we built him a 250. And after he rode that 250 for a little bit, the 300 didn't win. He didn't know how to ride it more. He won a championship with it, and we sold it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got good money for it, and we flipped it. And the, the 250 was something that was just a, you know, it was a CRF, you know, 250, and that bike hauled. I mean, again, we didn't have to spend a bunch of money on it, and we went out there and Tucker could ride with the 450s, like you see on a dirt bike track. I mean, right. I put him in the A class on that 250 to get him some seat time besides his normal schoolboy classes, and he'd run in top three with this bike. You know, the thing running around out there, you could hear it screaming over everything else out there, but it was, you know, I, I personally have been pretty fortunate. I mean, I took that chassis with the motor and the pipe and stuff that I had and the whole intake and I sold it to a customer and I just put a new 450 in back and frame in there and motor and that was his first 450. So I'm, basically he was riding exactly the same bike, shock, suspension, everything was the same but with just a different frame and 450. And that worked out really, really well for him. So that would be a great customer platform for the industry because then because ATVs are more expensive, if you could, you know, buy a, 
a 250, ride it for two seasons, and then put a 450 motor in it, you know, and, and, and get the factories to, to sell us engines. Yes. You know? And that's what, you know, like right now you can buy, you know, back in the day, I think when you guys were telling me you had that much money to the Lobo, the Lobo chassis, that's, I think that was probably a time when the 250R plastic was getting kind of hard to find, probably, if you're talking about the same time element. Uh, no, you could still buy plastic then not too long after that it became hard to find. Um, but when we built that last one, everything was readily available. I could still buy training gears. I could still buy cases. I could still buy, um, it didn't take too much long after that, that you couldn't buy some of that stuff. And that's what's starting to happen now. You know, I think with the Honda 450s, parts are getting harder and harder to find, you know, and. Uh, the 06 up stuff is still readily available. It's the, it's the 0405 stuff now starting to be hard. But it's coming though. It's already, you know, and, and, you know, with COVID now, I mean, I know there's stuff on back order for, you know, there's heads on back order for the 06s and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And, and that's one of the reasons we switched. Because I, I, like I told you, I didn't want to ride something old. I, because I looked at it as a, a 2004 Honda. It was the first year they came out. And I was riding a Polaris Predator at the time. I guess I couldn't envision myself going back to riding a Polaris Predator. You know what I mean? I, I want, I want to advance where we're at. And it, to me, it was a challenge. I, lo I love the challenge of making, taking something that no one else has done and putting it up front. That, to me, makes my night better than any other way of winning I could do it. Is doing it with someone that has, a, you know, somebody else has not done it that way. So, I mean, we can even talk about circuit riding Hondas and maybe been with the same results, but I think this is more fun. How, answer me this question. When you go to uh, different places, when you do travel, what are the machines of preference there? Mostly still still riding? Because I know Honda was a powerful platform for quite a while. Is it still? At the dirt track it is. Yeah. And the, you know, in the last couple of years, last year now, you know, like, you know, Brad Riley switched to a, you know, he'd ride the TRX based with a CRF motor in it. More and more guys are putting them together. Um, you know, some guys are just diehard Honda guys. There's nothing wrong with Honda. I mean, I, I just, I want to do something different. Um, the Honda, the, the 18 and up Honda motors, you know, the electric, I think the big thing that made it easy for us is the electric start in these hybrids. So now we're not worried about clearing kickers, none of that stuff. It's all, that's all a thing of the past. And, there, and there's, the motors are so light that, you know, we carry small lithium batteries. We're still lighter than a production ATV motor. With even all that stuff, probably about at least 10 to 12 pounds, which is phenomenal, I think. So. It's, it's, you're gaining horsepower because you're losing weight. Correct. And the motors, you know, stock, they're making really good power and they're dependable. I mean, these guys are, I mean, they're, they're close to 60 horse stock. That's I choke on saying it. KTM's come a long way. Yeah, KTM is, I mean, whether you like KTM or not, I mean, I'm not here again. I don't get paid for buying it. So, I mean, I, I mean, the, the orange stuff is, is awesome. And the, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's engine builders that work inside of them motors. People that I guess I have a lot of respect for say that inside the KTM and Husky motors, it's designed to be a race motor. It's everything has a purpose. Everything is compact. Everything is well thought out. It's, it's a true race motor. I don't, I'm not an engine guy. I'm just telling, repeating what I was told from multiple engine guys. And they say the things are first class. And that's 
we made that choice. You know, I, 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 I'm not opposed to Han or anybody else out there. I mean, I rode a customer's bike that had a YZ450 in it that was done with a kit from a guy from California, RP Performance did it. Um, yeah, YZR chassis, and that thing was bitching. <laughs> that thing was smooth. It pulled hard. You know, it was just a stock motor, just, you know, dirt bike motor stuck in that YZR chassis. Same thing I ride uh, as far as chassis, and that thing was, I mean, I came back after I rode it, I told Tucker, I said, that thing's nasty. That's a, that's a great bike. Um, you know, that, that opened my, you know, I sent pictures to Donnie. I said, right here it is. You know, this, I rode it, doesn't have vibration. You know, it's got all the, all the pieces of the puzzle right there. You know, so let's, let's keep the wheel spinning here. And, Sort of stuff. What, do you, what do you what do you think was the factory holdup? <laughs> you know the Japanese. I think they never ever just take the dirt bike motor and put it in ATV because of warranty issues. I I, I believe would be the big downfall. They're gonna make that transmission thicker, heavy. You know the gears, everything's gonna be heavier duty and stuff like that. So then you start talking tooling costs, and everything gets expensive. It's not simple anymore. And I think that's gonna be the holdup. So I mean. I've had a couple of people on and we've all, we've all talked, you know, right now is much, again, I'll choke on it again. If you took KTM and because they have KTM Husky and, and gas gas and they made, if they made a real sport quad, not what they made before, but a real sport quad that, that, that had every intention. You could make an excellent arm model, you know, a race model and a rec model and you brand it with three different Fender colors, you just change the dynamics of the whole industry. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I, I mean, people lose their freaking minds if that thing came available. I mean, but, you know, when Tim Farr worked with those guys, they listened to Tim and they built a Cromwell frame. And I mean, KTM's were beautiful bikes. I mean, I, they're hard to find, you know. But like you said, they just came back with the chassis they originally had. Didn't reinvent the wheel, maybe changed the rear suspension, you know, updated that, got more of a, a linkage in there because I believe they left it with a no link. I'm pretty sure that's where they left that design, if I remember right. Um, so we some, of us, some of us liked that machine and some of us hated it. And I was one of the guys I did not like the way they did it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 had, it had some good things, man. And, you know, when the KTM team raced across country with Tim Farr leading that, they were up front with that machine and that was the old XC motor they were campaigning at the time, which is old, old technology compared to where we're at nowadays. So, I mean, we just built one for a customer that's got a KTM chassis with, um, with the 2019 KTM 450 SX motor in it, but he took and actually changed the rear suspension. He wanted a Honda rear linkage in it. So it has a Honda rear link in it. And the front end is KTM with a new SX motor in there. And it's, it's a nice package. I'm anxious that they're going to get it out here to race it here real soon. I'm anxious to see how that works out for them. So it should be a good platform. That's, that's awesome. I mean, you, you, we have to go back to innovating. I know that in our world, we're, I don't know if we're set up to go back to hybrids. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, we're so busy with the production stuff, and, and we still build a lot of the old two-strokes. Oh, yeah. That's that's huge market, too. I mean, if someone told me I was racing, that I, I would be racing thrillers, that 
this point in my life, I would have laughed at you, but I still don't have fun with them. And if someone would tell me that you go to Ashtabula, Ohio, for the TT National there, they'd tell you that there was over 100 entries of just trikes alone, I would have called them a liar. I would have laughed at them. Right. And if someone had told us that 10 years ago, we would have laughed them right off the track. But it's there. I mean, when I, when I raced the pro class with the trike, they have a pro trike class there. When I ran that, when I ran a TPC trike, the very first time was at 42 guys in my class trying to make the main event. That's phenomenal. 42 guys in that class alone. I mean, if the 50th anniversary at Ashton Mueller, there had to have been... It was, it was out of control. It had to be a bitch that had to be 250 entries in trikes. It was, it was the neatest thing I mean, I've ever seen. I think it was, you know, I, I didn't get to see the old factory trike days, you know, where Team Honda was there and Team Kawasaki. And, and I didn't get to go to a national race back then when it was only thrillers. I mean, I'd seen the tail end of it, you know, when Honda still had sparks in them guys that down in Iowa, I went to a one in the beginning of my national stuff, but, uh, I mean, that was just neat to see. I mean, it was, it's phenomenal how many of those old trikes that these guys have brought back from the dead and the price tag that, you know, you couldn't hardly get rid of an old 250R back in the day. When I sold my, I mean, conversion to four-wheelers, I think I sold my 250R race bike for probably like fifteen or $1,600. That, I just sold one, my 250R built back to when I raced when I was a kid with a short course tank everything for close to ten grand. Right. And that's not, that's not even, that was four years ago, mm -hmm. I think. That same bike right now is probably getting close to fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 because you can't buy them. I, I see these guys selling plastic for an old 250R for, well, just a short course tank they sold for $2,100. It lasted an hour and a half on Facebook. $2,100 <laughs> for a short course tank. Ridiculous, isn't it? But it's, it's that supply and demand. I mean, it's, it's, there's guys that maybe didn't get to race them or didn't get to have what they wanted when they were young, when those machines were around. Now they're, they're established, they have the money, and they're going to get what they always wanted. They're going to buy it. And I think that's what a lot of that's coming from. Maybe, you know, have you got to ride one of the new four-stroke trucks? Yeah, I built one. Um, I rode the TPC one, which is you know a guy that takes a TRX chassis and converts it. Starts out with a TRX base chassis and converts it and puts uh, the one I rolled was a TRX power plant with a CRF head on it to get the pipe to come out to clear the, the down tube. Uh, but it was stock other than that. But that was, you know, it's a purpose built trike. You know, built triple trees. It's got the unmoving forks up front, you know, off the CRF for 50. That's why I raced it. I don't know if you guys can hear me. Gotcha. We had a, we had a dead spot there. So I, I built that Husky truck trike out of that dirt bike for Ashton Beale's 50th anniversary because I wanted to be able to race that pro class. Um, and that the problem with those chassis is they're too tall. The frame heads, you know, the head heights, and too many. The bike feels tall. 
can't get it down low. Like, you know, I like the old 250Rs, the old 200Xs were nice and low. Um, I guess you, I use the definition of feels like you're riding a horse. You, so, you feel so high at it. You're so tall. Um, I mean, we got third with it, but I, the bike wasn't where it needed to be. It felt great. Watched all kinds of horsepower. I mean, it's it's crazy. Because I only weighed 200. Mine only weighed 270 pounds. And the motor was stock, but it made still made you know, 60 horse. The thing, the thing going down the front straightaway with the Lip Pro, when I shifted it from fourth to fifth, we picked the front up and carried it at over 50 miles an hour. And not that I was trying to do a wheelie, it's just pure acceleration. <laughs> so, put that perspective. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay mechanic or, or, you know, ride four wheelers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I trust me. In the three wheeler days, I loved them, but and I didn't want to transition. But you, you had to. Um, and, and now I, I don't know if I could go back to riding a three wheeler. It's different. It's fun though. I, I enjoy it. It's my escape. I got an old two hundred X that Tom Parson built the motor for me, and everything else is stock pretty much. And it's the most low tech piece of equipment I got in the shop. It's probably the most fun I have. I didn't race in it this year. They actually brought it to the next class back with the United Dirt Track Series and the Sea Valley Series. And uh, we're out having fun with it. Things awesome. Just ride it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me tonight. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, ATV Talk is, is the story of, of the ATV industry, whether it be three wheelers, whether it be four wheelers. And uh, Tucker, I don't know. If you really, really can put your head around it, um, living with an icon, he's your dad, you see him every day, um, but he's, he, his name will go down in the history books in, in our industry um, because my son knows your dad or knows who your dad is and, and you know, other, other kids, you know, may have his picture on their wall. So I, see, I still see magazines with your dad in it. So, um, it's pretty awesome that you get to spend time with him. Uh, I really enjoy talking to him too. So um, yeah. cherish that. And uh, I, I hope you keep in touch with me because I really enjoyed watching that video of that race. And I really enjoy your guys' story. Uh, Daryl, you should be pretty proud. And, and I think it's pretty awesome that, that you get to do what you get to do with your son. You know, um, I, I, I mean, seriously, I, I you hit on the head. I, I absolutely am thankful. I'm extremely grateful to have to be able just mentally and physically to be able to run at the level of that. Um, someone took help for me, so I'll be thankful. That's awesome, brother. Hey, Tucker, real quick, does he ever slow down? No. Um, no, going back to that race where I was leading um, and he passed me coming out of those last couple laps. Uh, I remember my mom was just livid, absolutely livid. <laughs> she asked me, like, why couldn't you just let him have it? And I, I, I told her, I was like, I was like, I, I don't want him to ever let me. But I never, I never want to do that. Right, so I, I mean, that was one of my goals was to beat him. And I never wanted him to let me beat him. I wanted to earn that. I think that's the only way that it would actually, you know, really hit home for me, was that I, I, I truly can earn it to beat him. 
And that's the most important way to do it. Yeah. That's so. awesome. That's a great way to that's a great way to end this. Gentlemen, I will be in touch. Plus I want to get you on the show individually because there's things that Daryl and I, you and I can talk about uh, in the industry and Tucker. I want to get a little more in depth with, with some of your career and some of the things that you plan. And uh, uh, I'll be in touch for that. And I, I just want to say thank you so much. And I hope you uh, understand what our platform's trying to do here. We want to grow, grow awareness for the ATV world and get more people out. And um, I, I just have started being able to reach out into the TT world to get people in. And, and you guys are actually the first. And I want to say thank you so much. And, and if there's anybody that's TT racing now that you think I should talk to or TT raced in the past, please send them information to me and I will reach out to them. Awesome. Sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. For My honor. My honor, Daryl. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach TJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.